Welcome back to another episode of the Jasmine Star Show. If you've been tuning in for a while, you know I like to deal it to you straight. You know, like, deal it to you straight. No chaser. Let's go down in tres, dos, uno. And that's exactly what you're going to hear today in today's coaching session with social curator members. The business owners you're about to hear from are people who fuel me to get up every single day and help you build the business of your dreams. I just know without a shadow of a doubt, this episode is going to fire you up too. Let's listen in on this coaching session with members of Social Curator. I'm Lana. I'm a wife, a mother of three children, uh, and a small business owner who is extremely unhappy with the current status of my municipal government, and I decided to run for city council. So... <laughs> yes queen yes so my question for you is to me i kind of want to target or i want to reach moms like me that i'd say up to 2020 i was very skeptical about politics a politician is almost like a dirty word so it kind of took me a while to come to terms that if I'm running for city council, I am a politician <laughs> and <laughs> I had to embrace that, I guess, because I don't want to be the same way that the ones that I know. So maybe I'm running because I want to have people that are different kind of politicians. Uh, but I know it's hard speaking for myself to care right because you think the cycle every four years is the same cycle and people come in people come out and the same situation always goes back to how it was so my question was what kind of content can i create to differentiate myself and to stand out as a political candidate that's not like everybody else oh here's the thing Lena. this is just a perspective shift that's it. You don't have to do anything different than what you're doing. Because statistically, if you were to look at who you're running against and you were to look at their social media strategy, chances are if you're posting consistently and if you are creating reels and if you're following the structure that social curator advocates for, then you're already ahead of the game. Just consistency in the political realm, specifically in like city, local governments is very different. So there's that. Number two, if you and I were running against each other and you and I both wanted to champion for better schools, better roads, and less taxes, if our platforms were identical, and we were running in the same party against each other. And we decided to post every day on social. And we decided to wear the same red power suit with the American flag on the upper right-hand lapel. And we decided to both cut our hair in a bob. And we decided to both wear red lipstick. And we decided to both go live or post at the same time and say the same thing. What you say and how you say it would resonate differently. Because there are like three M's when it comes to connecting with followers and people online. That's the message. That could be a point of differentiation. You and I could say different things, then that's a point of differentiation. But if we're saying the same thing, then it brings up to the next M. And that's the methodology. 
Maybe, Lana, you're better at writing and I might be better at speaking. You might be, re- you might be better at writing long-form blog posts or you might be better like stumping around town. You might be better sitting in front of the library, shaking hands and kissing babies. And I might be better at dancing in a reel. It doesn't make it different. It just makes the methodology. But let's just say, Lena, that you and I are both saying the same message and we're both using the same methodology, but then the messenger becomes the biggest differentiator. Is that even if we did all things identically, that people are going to hear us and see us and receive us differently because as humans, we crave connection. And what we put out are the vibes of connection. Somebody's going to look at you and somebody's going to look at me and they're going to resonate differently. doesn't mean better or worse. It's just different. So all I'm saying is Lana, take a deep breath and continue being you. That alone is going to be the thing that will set you apart. And come what may at this election, if you win, awesome. And if you don't win, it had nothing to do with you. There just happened to be more voters who decided to vote on a different set of values. They didn't vote against Lana. So all I need you to do is to continue to create and do things that other people are not doing. And if they are, you're going to do them in your own way. But beyond that, because it seems super esoteric, I'm just going to get to the nitty gritty. You got to post all the day time. And you got to feel awkward and you have to feel stupid and you have to have the ability to go onto stores and say, I am standing in front of our city library and you make a handwritten sign that says, ask a wannabe politician your questions. And then on stories, you're like, you're literally on stories and you're saying, oh, somebody's coming. And you record yourself, hi, my name is Lana Palmer. I am running for city council and I'm really tired of the way that they were treating moms in the neighborhood. I'm wondering if you would have a conversation about what matters to you because when I am voted, not if, when I am voted into office, I want to make sure that your voice is heard. You put that on social, girl, some people are going to hate it, but the people who don't got your vote. That's just it. I would find local Facebook groups and join the, the moms Facebook groups. Out here, they have like mops. They have like North Orange County moms, South Orange County moms. I would get in there and I would just start responding to people. And then once after a while, you've done a lot of responses, you can create helpful content. Like here's how you can vote. This is how you register. Or if you you ask the owners of the group and be like, Hey, I'm doing a question, a Q and a for moms who are concerned or want to know more about politics. Like put yourself in that. And I am telling you it's, it's free. It's free, free and all that kind of goodness. So do the work. It is gritty, stumping. And then when I went into like the high level stuff, like if you did an Instagram live and you knew it was going to be like, it's just like here in Orange County right now, Newport Beach, they're having county fair. If I was running for Newport Beach council, I would set up a booth, ghetto fab booth. I would decor, like decorate it with leftover 4th of July stuff from the 99 cent store. And I would set up an Instagram live and I would be like, okay, I'm going to answer questions and let's just see what comes. And there's going to be people who come in here who disagree with my party affiliates or whatever the case may be. They might be in questions. And then I could see if it does well, I could run ads to that live. I could do a real I could do a reel in a dirty park, right? I'm standing after the weekend. There's parties, there's trash everywhere. I could do a reel. I could set up a camera on a tripod and then I could jump. And you know that transition when you jump and then the background changes, it would be dirty. I do a jump and then it's clean. And you hold up your bag and say, vote for Lana, city council, I'll clean trash. 
Come on. I mean, this is, this is just grassroots, the most ridiculous stuff. And you want to know what people want to know. What are you willing to do for them? You make your platform about them. You make your platform about underrepresented mothers instead of whoever is sitting in office and you have people talk about it and you have people share, you got a seat. Are you willing to do the work? That's the main question. Yeah, I am. Okay. Okay. And I remember you saying something about that. You don't like to dance, but, or to point, but because your audience wants that or because reels, that's what's in it right now, then you're willing to do it. Yep. So I guess that's, you already answered my question in the sense that even if it's something that doesn't feel natural to me or that I would do normally, but yep. if I know that that's going to propel me, then get over it and just do it. That's right. That's, that's, that's the quote. That should be your campaign slogan. Get over it and just do it. Like, I mean, I just feel that your actions must map your aspirations. I do a ton of things I don't like because I got big dreams and far be it from me to be above pointing, to be above dancing, to be above spinning than to show my daughter what is possible for her future. Far be it from me. Far be it from you to show your children what it means for their mom to do something uncomfortable to get to where she wants to go. That's it. Good luck. Keep me posted, please. How can people, how can people find you right now on Instagram? How can they join your journey? Uh, it's my Instagram handle. It's Lana for YG Council. I love that. Thank you, doll. I appreciate you. Hi, Jasmine. My name is Robert with 2x2 Photography. I am a wedding and senior photographer from Atlanta, Georgia. And first of all, I want to say thank you for all you do. And please pass the message on to your team. Thank you for all the hard work they do behind the scenes for us. I'm truly grateful for it. Thank you. And please tell JD and Luna hi for me. (laughs) You're already getting on my good side, Robert. You're making me all warm and fuzzy. (laughs) So I'm a little overwhelmed and nervous. I've had a rough day. But my question for you today is, what would you put in place if you were facing the challenge of closing the deal with my clients who are being advertised by other photographers with cutthroat pricing. I'm sorry, just so that I'm going to repeat back your question so I understand it. That you have a client and you really want to work with this client and this client really want to work with you, but there's another photographer who's offering them a better deal. Do I understand that correctly? Correct. Or, correct. or clients in general say, I'm looking for a wedding photographer, but I'm on a budget or I need an affordable photographer. And so I have my pricing that I throw out, but then it gets undercut obviously by people that are just burn and shoot type photographers. I love this question because it's about pricing, but it's never about pricing. It's about value associated with the transaction. And it is not your responsibility to be in everybody's budget because there are people out there who have a photography budget for $100. Like legit, I've been in the game, you've been in the game. That is a real budget for some people. So we know you're not going to be in everybody's budget. So if Robert decides he's not in everybody's budget, that's fine. And then if Robert decides that this is this amount, we'll say X, is if X is what it would be for Robert to shoot the wedding then Robert's job should not be to defend what Y is offering or Z. Robert's entire objective is to associate value with the amount that you put out. And how do we create value? It seems virtually impossible. But I believe, and as a wedding photographer who did it for years, 
I believe that we create value by way of human connection. And that is the thing that many people hate. Photographers hated me for saying that because it rubbed against them because I'm asking them to do something that they didn't want to do. There were other more established, credible photographers who were just like, what about the art? What about the school? What about the gear? And I was out here with like my best buy camera, borrowing lenses and renting CF cards and driving a Honda with an oxidized hood without a single album or portfolio piece or a website. And yet I was booking at the same price, if not more than them. That rubs people the wrong way. And the only thing I had, Robert, and this is the thing that I have said for over a decade as a professional photographer, is that you are selling the most sophisticated product to the most wildly uneducated audience. We could sit here and talk about high key and aperture and ISO and grain and noise. And the average person says, but do I look cute? Did you capture my first, my dance? Do I look happy? And so what we want to do is we want to talk about the technicality of what we bring, but really what somebody's buying is, can I resist not spending the day with Robert and his team? It comes down to a person because Robert, you could charge X and somebody charges half of X. Somebody could charge one tenth of X. But if somebody looks at Robert and after experiencing what you do on social media, after meeting you with in person, after being prepared on that onboarding sequence, when they first sent you an inquiry with the follow-up, the timeliness of it, you sending a personal video to say like, Hey, Jackie and Jonathan, I'm really happy to shoot your wedding. This is how I would approach it. That experience becomes a defining factor that price no longer is associated because they value what you put out there. And it's hard to hear in a way because what we want to do is infuse ourselves into our value. But that's not the case because if somebody says no, it's easy for us as creatives to say they said no to me. And it's not. They're not saying no to you. They're saying no for a myriad of the reasons, but none of it has to do with Robert personally because they already reach out to you. Many of them have already met with you. Many of them say, hey, Robert, I really want to work with you, but this person's offering like for less. It's not about you. They want to work with you. But whether or not they associate the value, how then do we parlay value? Value comes from human connection, going above and beyond, and then ensuring that personal touch is there. But the way that they choose Robert and not a wedding photographer is if they know, like, and trust Robert. And the best way the most effective way that this happens for any business owner is truly on social media. Where are we feeling right about now? I couldn't agree more. I've been based on previous um, podcasts I've heard from you and social media videos I've seen from you. I resonate with the bringing the value. I think the question is how do I, like you said, value can be ambiguous to some people. So how do I bring that in a package so that they understand what I bring? So then I love this question as a follow-up because we have to, we have to define what we want to be valued for. So different people value different things. And then we want to be valued differently. There were so many photographers who wanted to be valued by the awards that they won and the technical perfection or the school that they went to. And so they wanted to make sure that somebody was picking them for that. I didn't give a rip if I had an award or not. I wanted somebody who put value on being seen on their day, feeling freaking fabulous. That's the word that I said. I want somebody who works with me and they feel 
fabulous. I don't actually like the word and it doesn't resonate with me as a human, but that's what I wanted to attract. And I wanted them to value having fun. So the thing I constantly put out was not the accolades, was not the photography workshops that I was going to. It was talking about fun. I was sharing testimonials where people use those words. I felt like a model. I felt editorial. I felt fabulous. I had fun. I was putting out what I wanted people to value me as a business owner and as a creative. So Robert, my question to you is what would make you feel very valued? Like if somebody comes to you and says, I booked you for X, what is that thing? What's your value center? Ooh, that's a tough question. And I resonate with what you said about the reviews because from the social curator, I put out reviews and it makes me very happy when I hear people say Robert was patient. Robert knew how to pose us. Robert didn't make me feel like I was posed. Robert made us laugh. Robert gave us a great experience. Mm. All those resonate with me. Mm. And I feel it. Like I feel that that resonates deeply. And so in the beginning, like right when you enter that, you're like, oh, that's tough. I felt resistance because the minute we vocalize what we value, we make ourselves very vulnerable because we want somebody to see how patient we are, how hard we work at creating that experience. But until we start telling people how we want to be treated and valued, they will never know. And so when it comes to, again, if you go back to the root of the question, it was like, there's somebody who's undercutting me or there's somebody who's cheaper. There will always be that. But if somebody is looking for somebody who's wildly patient with their elderly grandma, wildly patient with their brother with special needs, wildly patient with their spouse who can never get to the place on time, then that's the thing we need to highlight again and again. So the homework that I have for you, because right now it's like flash fire. Here we go. After this podcast, after this conversation, like sit with it for a minute. I want Robert to give himself 10 minutes. You might have kids. You might have a partner. That's fine. Once everybody goes to bed. Lights are down. I want you to make a cup of tea, like do something that's like different that puts you in the space of like, I'm going to sit and I'm going to write down what do I want to be valued on? And when you look at that, it's going to be truth with a capital T and then your entire objective, Robert, not for the next six weeks, for the next six months, for the next six years. If this is in your game, you need to be creating content that highlights your value center. And every time you post, we go back through the social security captions and we talk about the insights. And one of the things that people say about you is like, I'm very patient. Yeah, of course. One of the things that I said, people, people said I was fabulous. I don't think I'm fabulous. I never associated that word with me, but the more I put it out, that's the thing, the very thing that people had said about me. So finding the value center, creating content around those things. And then Robert, I am telling you hand to heaven, it becomes less about a pricing consideration and more about a personality fit. People will find money in their budget. They absolutely will. Awesome. Okay. That sounds great. And I love how you hit the nail on the head about it's not about me. Because in the beginning, I was like, man, they keep rejecting me. But mm. that just solidifies that concept. They're not rejecting me. Mm. And you're inviting them in to the conversation and giving them the option. But when somebody says no to your offer, it has nothing to do with you. Every time we open the doors to Social Curator, we get about, about 30,000 people to sign up for an online class. That's amazing, right? And then wow. we get about 3,000 people to join. So am I going to sit here and say that 27,000 people said no? Oh, what does that mean about me? I'm not good enough. Or am I going to focus 
on the 3,000 people who decided to do the dang work. Robert, there are going to be way more no's in your life than yes, and it has nothing to do with you. Focus on who you have. They're going to be the people that take you to the next level. Awesome. Great advice. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate you. How can people find you on Instagram? At 2 by 2 photography all spelled out, T-W-O-B-Y-T-W-O, photography. I love that. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate you. Thank you. Hi, Jasmine. I am Carrie Gavin. I'm a former professional photographer turned professional encourager. Um, I have a brain-based, heart-led approach to empowering women with success in business and work with creatives, transformational leaders, course creators to consistently um, attract their dream clients and make their income and impact, most specifically without compromising values or priorities because that's really important to me as a mom. Um, so I have a question and it is as a creative, how do you consistently keep talking about the same message without letting your brain tell you it's boring or to talk about something else new and shiny? Oh, Carrie, I love this question. Um, and I'm going to speak my truth. My truth is that there are quantifiable things that we can't argue with. Uh, the things that we cannot argue with are science. The brain has been studied and studies have shown that an average person needs to see and or hear something at minimum seven times before they even have an opinion about it. So that's one thing that's quantifiable. And then statistically on most social platforms, only about 3% of your audience is seeing your content. So I'm not a mathematician and I'm not even a venture to put out that equation, but if we think about it, the same 3% of our followers would have to hear the same message seven times over before they actually decided they wanted to work with a heart led coach totally. strategist. But we know that it's not the same 3% who are seeing our content. We know by and large, it's a different 3%. So that 3% and that 3% and that 3%, they all got to see it seven times. And then we also know that people, the brain learns differently. Your brain learns differently than my brain. And that's what makes our brain so epic and amazing. So some people prefer to take a 15 second, let's say reel or TikTok and learn, wow, this person just saw me or knew me. And somebody's going to need a 15 to 17 minute video to feel that Carrie saw me. So instead of us saying like our brain, the small reptilian side of our brain is saying, this is boring. This is dull. You've said it all before. They're tired of hearing it. We could actually use science and math to say statistically, I got to say this a heck of a lot more than I am right now. Totally. But that's logic. That's logic. And so it takes a, it takes a heart response to connect with a heart led coach or consultant. And that answer is different. That answer is, Carrie, if you believe in your message, like I know you do, then you will say the same dang message on an empty block for years on the belief that the person who is hearing the ricochets of echoes of your message needed to hear it when they needed to hear it. And so the question then comes to Carrie, are you willing to stand on the empty streets saying what you know the world needs to hear until it finds its right recipient? And that is not for the faint of heart. You just have to make the decision that I'm okay to do that. And then you just do it. Totally. I love it. 
I will say, and I don't know if, I mean, maybe you can relate with this, or I'm sure you can relate with this, is that when I had my photography business for 15 years, that was super easy for me to be consistent with boutique style kids and family portraits. I knew my zone. That was it. Oh, yes. This was it. And when I transitioned into mentoring and coaching, because I'm such a neuroscience geek and I love the brain stuff and I love the energy side of things and universal principles and all the things, and I marry those two, I'm so, I'm such a passionate like learner. I find my sort of ADD wants to just like keep talking about all the things. And so hearing you say that it's, it's really just coming back to like the repetition that I know that's how we learn is reminding myself that while I did have that consistency before, it's okay to have that reminder again in a totally different arena and a totally different game that it's still the repetition. It's still staying in my own lane. And I can talk about shiny things, but the core things remain constant. Absolutely. Absolutely, Carrie. And one of the things that I hear often as um, an educator, as a creative, as a business owner, is people will often say, you know, Jasmine, I heard you say it before, but it was the way you said it this one time. And I, I know that's not me. Totally. You were open in a different way. You were cracked open as a result of something that happened that day, that week, that month, or that year that enabled you to receive the thing that I have been saying. Because our message and our purpose is indifferent of who it's supposed to reach. It's just whether or not that person is going to be open and receptive to it. So Carrie, this is your reminder that consistency is going to be your friend and that you are going to stand in your purpose and you're going to say it again and again because the world needs your message. And I know that you believe in that too. Got it. Beautiful. Okay. Carrie, how can people find you and your awesomeness and your heart-centered brain amazingness online? You're so sweet. So I have a podcast, the Confident Creative Podcast. Uh, season two is in session now recording. And my Facebook group, the Confident Creative Collective. And Instagram is Carrie.Gavin. All the things. So that's, that's amazing. Carrie, that's all you got. That's more than enough. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate your question. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Carrie Beth Collins, and I'm a contemporary fine art painter. And after 22 years of dentistry, I um, hung it up last year and decided to go in face first into my um, art. So, wow, congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. I dyed my hair purple because I can now. And yes, now you can. Go on can. with your bad <laughs> self. You are no longer cleaning teeth, you are painting. This is amazing. That's right. This is amazing. <laughs> So I was a great employee and I'm not such a great boss of myself. And I know that you like get down with some productivity stuff like that is your jam. And so I tried your productivity planner and, um, by like the third thing down that I had scheduled for myself, I was already like an hour over, like I'm <laughs> terrible at it. And I'm hoping that it's sort of like budgeting and you are terrible at it for a while. And then you just get better with it as you do it more often. You know, um, I don't know. I just imagine you like walking out of the womb, being good with time, like immediately. I just, for some reason, just picture you being <laughs> that way. Um, and I was not, I was the kid that, uh, you know, I, I can do what you tell me to do and all that. So, um, the biggest monkey wrench that I've found when I try to plan my stuff is changes in your schedule. And my question mm -hmm. for you is 
How do you handle those changes in your schedule without completely derailing your plan and making you just take the whole piece of paper and throw it away? You know, on different days, I would answer differently. And I would sum this entire question into how do we deal when the day doesn't go as planned? And like newsflash, I never have a day that goes to plan. Like I am just, I'm just very happy if it kind of sort of looks a little bit like I had plans. I kind of sort of a little bit if I like, you know, squint and jump up and down, like that's always the goal. And then there are big, massive things that we just do not have control over, which is why in the productivity planner, I liked to prioritize the things that are important and deprioritize what's urgent. There's this big temptation, that urgency. I have to respond to these emails and I have to do that. But is that the most important thing to do? And so, you know, um, I have a lot to do during the day, as do you, as do everybody who's listening. So if I look at all the things that I have to do, I have to prioritize what is the most important to front load it at the beginning of the day. So while at the end of the day, even if for some reason it didn't work the way that I had anticipated, total bummer, it sucks because I got to push it to the next day, but it's kind of like you can't get water from a rock. Like we did our best, we showed up and there are things that are outside of our control. And this is coming, this answer is coming off the heels of me working until 9.30 last night. That is something I do not do. I was working because I didn't have one, two, or three. I had three instances where I had this big photo shoot and all of the photos weren't loading. And I can tell you all the things I was watching endless hours of YouTube. I wanted to throw my laptop against the wall and then everything I thought I had transferred over just wasn't there. And I, I tried to cry, Carrie. I tried to cry to elicit sympathy from like my business partner slash husband. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, I'm too tired. I can't even cry. I'm just so angry. I'm just so angry right now. And then he's just like, okay, so what's, what's giving? Like what's giving? And I was like, this is on deadline. And I cannot be the bottleneck for everything that happens as a result of this. So I am making the decision to finish because I'm the bottleneck, but there's something else I was supposed to do and I'm not doing it. It's going to tomorrow. And so the reality is there is not a day that ever looks the way that we had planned it. And on the rare occasion that it does happen, I literally am like, I need to buy a lotto ticket. That's how infrequent those days happen. So number one is a massive amount of grace understanding that very few people accomplish everything they want to get done. And then number two, prioritizing what must get done at the front part of your day. And then number three, we're going to go back to what you had said. It's just when you went to dental school, Carrie, and then they taught you the posture of how to sit in the chair so that you don't get a hunchback. And then you had your tools and you're looking at all of your tools. And then you have this first person who volunteered to get their teeth flossed or cleaned or put in a cavity. You probably went in very similar to how you were when you first started budgeting and when you first started becoming your own boss. Kind of sucked. Because that's how all things are when somebody's starting something for the first time. It sucks. But just like practicing driving, just like learning a different language, just like it was in dental school, the more you do it, the better you come at estimating. I did not say the better you become or the faster you become at those tasks. Not at all. You'll probably work at the same pace, but you'll give yourself more grace and being like, you know what? I thought that this task would take me 30 minutes and I've seen consistently it takes me 55. 
oh, I need to budget an hour for it. And then it recalibrates what's actually expected of you during that time. That's great advice. And I feel so much better that I'm not the only person that messes that up. Um, I know you're a big post-it note person and so am I. Um, I'm pretty analog, you know, with my piece of paper here. Um, <laughs> but, but what I was wondering is what's your, when it was just you and you didn't have uh, a team to take care of, what was your favorite way to keep your schedule and to kind of keep your to-do list so that you didn't leave it at home or that it was never lost? Because I'm still at that pretty basic way of scheduling myself just on a piece of paper every day. I write a to-do list before I go to bed every night and then mm. kind of go from there. I love that. And I will say, Carrie, it was so much easier to stay on schedule when it was just me. It's harder in your business, but it's much easier because you're only accountable to yourself. You know, last night, if I wasn't accountable to six other people who needed this one thing, I would have said, oh, I'm done for the night. So it becomes a lot more complicated but the minute I knew what I was going to do, like my schedule for the day, like I'm also a hermit. I work from home. Like I wasn't ever worried about losing my post-it note because I mean, we're, it's going to be hidden in my house. So I just didn't really feel like all that worried. Um, I knew that if I was going to go out and do something, it was very um, like unidirectional. I was going there and I was coming back. I didn't need to continue on with my, my list. If I was saying going out to run errands, I would write it on what I needed to do on a post-it note and stick it in my wallet. And that's my big fancy way of staying organized. And I feel like if you want something done, you give it to a busy person. That is truly like at the time of this recording, um, Christy is our podcast producer. And then she wears a multitude of hats and she's probably one of the busiest people on the team. And if we want something done, we're like, she'll handle it. <laughs> and I think that that's what we should expect of ourselves. And that's if we learn how to prioritize and we get better over time, we should be expecting us to do what we say we're going to do because that means that we're walking in integrity. And then we can expect that as we build out your first assistant or your first team member that they're going to follow suit. It's what we build now that will become like the legacy of your business. Um, I just listened to your podcast. Well, I listen to it almost every day, multiple times for each episode because I always forget. But um, I heard you say that doing stuff like that is a form of discipline. And I liked hearing it like that. So I can't thank you enough for answering my questions and thank you for what you thank do. Thank you. Carrie, thank you for being you. For those people who aren't able to see, because this is our podcast, what's behind you is this massively colorful wall with these beautiful, colorful things hanging from the ceiling and you have purplish auburn hair. And to me, you are embodying the dream. You are embodying what it means to have a career, to know you were a really good employee, to create that life, and then say, as an adult, I'm deciding to do something for me that is courageous, it is ballsy, it is admirable, and my God, you make it look fun. Thank you for being a member of Social Curator, and thank you for listening to the podcast, and thank you for asking a question that a lot of us struggle with. We open the conversation for us to receive how we need to change, how we need to be disciplined, and at the same time, how we need to extend grace. I appreciate you. Where can people find you on Instagram? Thank you. Um, I am at Carrie, spelled with a C, so it's Carrie Beth Collins on all the things on Instagram and Facebook and my website. Uh, keep creating beautiful art into the world. We appreciate it and we need it. Thank you, Carrie. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much. Hi, and thank you for having me here today. My name is Jessica Marie Rosario and I am a real estate 
advisor here in Orlando and I'm new to the industry. So um, I still have a lot to learn. My question to you would be, um, as a real estate advisor, I need to find my audience and clientele. Uh, and I plan to use social media to do so for many reasons, you know, the situation right now with the pandemic and post-pandemic world. And also because I know that things have changed in the industry and social media is playing a major role. Uh, so I want to bank on that. Uh, but also, I am encountering a challenge here. And it's that where I live, you know, in my, in my farming area, uh, we have a lot of very good, very, very top producers that I really admire and respect a lot. But in reality, they are also, you know, competition. So how can I uh, leverage social media in a way that I can position myself as a trusted advisor, you know, as a person that really knows her thing. Um, one of my best friends, Oprah Winfrey, she says to put blinders on. Like, you know, when horses get prepared on a race, they cover the sides of their eyes. And she said that part and parcel of her success is to not waste any precious time looking at what people to the left and to the right of her were doing. And on social media, all we do is rubberneck. And then all the time that we spent rubbernecking was no time for us actually doing. And so there's a group of people who will say, I'm a professional and I'm positioning myself as a professional. And that's true and that is real. But the only way that you show me you're a professional and the only way you show me you know what to do is by showing me what you know and showing me what you do. Because I could sit here and say, I am a ninja. And for all intents and purposes, you'd be like, okay. But if I posted a photo of me practicing my ninja skills, and if I ordered nunchucks from Amazon and I showed me unboxing the nunchucks and then I showed myself practicing and then I made a reel of me kicking my shin against a wood stump because I'm training because I'm a ninja. And then if I bought a ninja shoes and my ninja black outfit and then every time I started posting and talking and teaching about my journey of being a ninja and showcasing my ninja nunchuck skills, the more I did that, the more likely you would say, there goes a ninja. Why? You don't know anything about being a ninja. But all of a sudden, you saw me do the work. You saw me teach about it. You saw me show it. And you're like, Jasmine's a ninja. Why? Because I showed you. And that's this crazy dichotomy with what it means to create on social media these days. Is that, that authority is built by showcasing what it is you do and know. Not your accolades. Not where you went to school. Not who you know. Not how anybody else is creating content. It is just a game that you are playing against yourself and for yourself. So while there are other amazing top producers in this agricultural area that you are in Florida, and they probably drive nicer cars, have more social followings, have better trusted relationships, have their daddy, great daddy, and their great, great, great grandpappy, have built relationships with the real estate agents, and you're going to say, I, how do I ever get that market? You won't until you start doing. Because there's going to be somebody who says, I don't care that your great, great, great grandpappy owned land here in Florida. I want to do work with you. But that is a long game. And that is simply taking the time to say, what do I want to say 
this week. And then if you're a real estate advisor, you have to ask, what does my dream customer want to see, know, and do, and trust? And then you start practicing. And it's going to be terrible, and it'll maybe be hard, and it'll maybe be confusing. And then you're going to be given the option, do I want to give up, or do I want to pursue this thing? And if you say, I want to pursue this thing, guess what? You're going back to the drawing board and you're asking myself, what does my dream real estate client want to look, know, or do? And how do I create the content to connect with them? That's it. And this morning, during the group coaching inside of the group, I went on a tangent, but I'm going to say this tangent publicly, is that I know what's happening in the future. And the future is something that scares me to say publicly because I feel like it's going to push people away. But I'm also going to speak my truth because one day when it happens, I will look back at this podcast and say, you can't say I didn't tell you. In order for you to have a business, you must be a creator. In the past, it was a nice to have. It was nice to get that attention. It was nice to get that organic traffic. Now it's no longer a nice to have. It is mandatory. If you are not marketing your business on social media, you will not have a business. Because Jessica, you could be great at sales. You could be great at building a team. You could be great at personal relationships. You could be great at writing copy. You could be great at all, every higher level thing in business. But if nobody knows about the business, it is dead in the water. And that's hard to say. I don't want to say it. I want to give everybody a hug and be like, try your best. It's great. Instead, my truth is, if you do not create, you will not have a business. Forbes released an article that said in 2020, there was a 25% increase in business owners as a result of the pandemic and people being waking up and saying, oh, this is the thing I really want to do. But if you juxtapose those analytics, the analytics from the EMIP saying that 70% of all businesses that are started are done with in less than three years, 70%. That the numbers that we're looking at are very staggering that the vast majority of people will not have a business, not because they weren't amazing, not because a product or service wasn't fantastic, not because they were impeccable at client relationships and following up, and not because they weren't artisans and brilliant minds. It's that nobody knew they existed. And social media is the gateway to visibility and existence in the digital world. So... Let's go back to what our mutual best friend said. Put on blinders and start creating. That's the best I got. How many reels do you think we should be doing in a week? And the How week many are you doing now? I just did my first one this week. And I, um, I mean, more people saw that than any other post I have okay. ever, ever. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. so how about this? How about you answer this question? Because I can't say how many reels because other people do reels and it's the worst performing thing on their feed. Mm -hmm. Your audience has spoken to you, Jessica. They said, we like your reels. So my question to you, Jessica is how much bandwidth do you have to create what your people want to see? That's the answer. And do you think um, having reels on Instagram, do you think we still need to TikTok? I, girl, I don't see why not. Like that's like a two for one in my mind. 
I'll create a reel, like and I'll save the video file. Uh-huh. Because what happens is that if you export the reel after it's already been uploaded, it is exported with the TikTok logo. If you export your reel from Instagram, yeah, it'll show up with the Instagram logo if you want to upload it to TikTok. If you upload it to TikTok, TikTok and you download it from TikTok and you upload it to Instagram, the TikTok logo appears. So what I am doing is I'm creating the video, saving it, and then putting it up in Reels and then putting it up in TikTok. Same amount of effort, but what, it doesn't have the logo on either of them. So it feels more native to those platforms. But what I create for a Reel, I absolutely will repurpose at a later point in time for TikTok. Yeah. Okay, so do you add the text and everything before uploading to the app? Yes, or? there was a time. There was a time when I wasn't producing. I'm posting around three to four reels a week at the time of this recording, and there was a time where I was just posting one or two because I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm new to this TikTok thing." And then what I was doing is I'd be making the video by itself with no text, uploading it to Instagram, adding the text, uploading it to TikTok, adding the text there, so it felt very native to that platform. And then I realized. God, I'm doing this four times a week. It just wasn't the best use of my time. So now what I'm doing, since my audience is much larger on Instagram, I'll create the reel, add the text on Instagram. And then before I post it, I will download that video and then post it to Instagram, save that video and then post it later uh, to TikTok. Okay, good. Thank you. Thank you. Jessica, how can people find you on Instagram and see you as you make all your reels? <laughs> I am at, at Jessica underscore Marie underscore Holmes. Beautiful. Jessica Marie Holmes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a member of Social Curator and keep those blinders on. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. If you liked this episode, please leave a review for the Jasmine Star Show on iTunes. I was just reading through them and this review really stuck out to me and it's from Kate Rowland. This is one of my all-time favorite podcasts. I love Jasmine's style of keeping things real, being relatable, and giving great business advice and tips that you can implement right away. Heck yes. I listen every morning on my commute and I often go back to take notes since I'm usually driving while I listen. I'm also a member of Social Curator and I could say that Jasmine over delivers in every realm of her business. A true gem. Y'all, I just, I have to take a second and say, Kate, thank you. That means the world to me. If you would potentially like to be shouted out in a future episode of the podcast, yeah, I'll leave a review. Tell us what you think because the team and I work very hard to serve you with all of the best real talk in business content on the internet and your reviews help get the show into more listeners' ears and we can all grow our businesses together. And as a result of that, we're all better because of it. So until next time, I hope you have a great day and I'll talk to you soon.